Welcome to We Write Songs, a podcast for all songwriters. Whether you're a well-established working songwriter or just about to write your very first song. I'm Celine Ellis. And I'm Tara Henton. Hello and welcome back to the We Write Songs podcast. Tara, how's things? All good, Celine. How's everything with you? Uh, looking forward to Halloween coming up, although this podcast will probably go live after Halloween. So yeah, people will already be through half their candy by then, but that's okay. Yeah, totally, totally. Let's, uh, let's get started. We've got an interesting guest with us today. Phenomenal guest today. The infinite. Rob Wells is with us today. Yay. Yay. Wonderful to have you here, Rob. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, Infamous is is more uh, probably appropriate than than wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to embarrass you now and read a little bit about you to everybody who may not be familiar, as as familiar with you as as we are. We know a little bit about you. Um, So Rob Wells is a multi-platinum award-winning Juno and ECMA nominated music producer and songwriter, and he's based in Toronto in Canada. And the list of whom he's worked with is is quite impressive, I think would be the word. People like Ariana Grande, Justin Bieber, Selena Gomez, Adam Lambert, Weezer, Micah, Mika, pronounce Mika. that wrong. Mika, pardon me. Um, Backstreet Boys, Paloma Faith, the list goes on and on. I'm just scanning through. Uh, people of Cindy Lauper, that's bringing me back to my childhood. Love that. Corey Hart, oh, Olivia Newton-John. Oh my goodness me. Wow. Quite an impressive, an epic list of people that you've worked with. And Rob also has a star on the Mississauga Music Walk of Fame. I haven't seen it. I'm going to go and see that next time I'm back home, Rob. It gives you an opportunity to step on my name, actually. It's it's, it's quite (laughs) to drop a little bit of garbage, maybe spit on it. And to visit Mississauga. There you go. Um, Record sales into the tens of millions and streams that are over 3.5 billion and counting. Um, He's had work featured in numerous films, TV shows, commercials, and video games worldwide. Worked, uh, done a music producer role on Canadian Idol. So much. I mean, the list goes on and on, Rob. But but also, can I add on the end of that list, one of the nicest people that I have ever met, I think. And that would factor in quite quite highly on that list because I do meet a lot of people. Thank you. Right back at you. Yeah, we, well. we love you at We Write Songs. <laughs> so Love you guys too. And and nice to meet you for the first time as well, Celine. And I know that we're absolutely. already we're already I, I, I already feel like we're friends, Rob. I already Absolutely. Feel. Absolutely. But yeah, so that's an impressive uh, kind of uh, biography there. But how did you get started in music? What was your kind of uh, entry points of music? Well, um, you know, I didn't really have a choice, to be honest, because uh, my entire family was was not in the music business, but they were definitely playing music uh, by the time that I popped out. And uh, I, I have an older brother, Greg, who's also a songwriter and music producer. Yes. And he was four years old when I almost four when I was born. He was already playing piano a lot. Wow. Uh, he was playing uh a lot of blues songs at that point, like Jelly Roll Jam and, and stuff like that. And just nice. all, all sorts of fun things. And then my mom was playing and then my dad was a United Church minister. So we would always go to church every Sunday. We'd hear choir practice. Um, we'd hear all these hymns. You get to hear a lot of the same hymns over and over again. So it starts to get a bit of repetition in there. You get to learn which hymns you really like, which ones you don't really like so much. Um, and then I started being part of a junior choir in there. So we're singing every Sunday. Um, tons of opportunities to perform in front of the congregation, which was awesome. Um, and, and just basically I was playing piano from the age where I could stand. 
So be, just because I, I would see everybody sitting at the piano, I just thought this is something that people do and you mimic the actions of, of everyone mm. else. In the yeah, household. of course. Yeah. So literally just walking up to the piano and just placing my hands on the keys and just mashing into them. And um, that just led to me having a great beginning of, of learning how to play piano by ear and just listening to all these pieces that my brother was practicing and, and remembering those melodies and walking up to the piano and trying to play those melodies and then learning all about the fact that radio exists and my parents would be playing the same records over and over again and, and me starting to play those pieces and getting into elementary school. And, and I was so lucky that in grade two and grade three, I had a teacher who was also a church organist on the weekend. And um, he would come into the elementary school and, and teach us, and he was very much involved musically in the school. But he pulled me aside one day because I was always playing the piano every recess and every lunch break. And he said, uh, you know, it, I love that you're being so musical and, you know, you're entertaining the other classmates and, and all that. He said, have you ever thought about writing your own piece instead of just playing other people's pieces Whoa, of music? Oh my God. And I just, that thought never even crossed my mind. It was like some brand new bit of information that was just plopped into my brain that, that you could actually write your own song and that you're not just supposed to play the songs that other people have, have written. Um, so he challenged me. I went home and started writing and came back and played what I had come up with for him, a very simple, simple piece. And he was very kind. He uh, gave me lots of praise for it. And then he taught it to the class. The class performed it at this wow. uh, performance at the elementary school in front of teachers and parents and students. And uh, I. And how old were you at this point? Eight. I was eight years old. Oh, wow. And, uh, just, See, because uh, I have a very similar experience in elementary school, like playing for classmates and that kind of thing. But I mean, I had some fantastic teachers, but none of them that did that for me, what you had. So I... I came to songwriting a little bit after that, more in high school. But, oh, mm -hmm. that's fascinating. Please continue. Yeah, that's fascinating. I love that. Yeah, I mean, te God bless teachers, man, that, that really can sort of point you in the right direction when they can see a sign right? or something yeah. in there, right? Pretty cool. I mean, I could have easily just been like, forget it. I just want to play covers. But it, it just lit a spark within me that just when I realized I could create my own thing, I was very much into building Lego. I was very, like, my imagination was always going. I loved drawing pictures. I loved art and, and uh, all things animation and, and uh, just, you know, imagination, storytelling. So when he told me that I could yeah. write my own story, basically, to music, and I was just like, mind blown. Mind blown, yeah. Mind blown. <laughs> so after that happened, I, I, I used to want to be an astronaut before that, and I just wanted to be in the music industry immediately right after there and my friends were asking me to write songs for them and their situations and songs about a trip that they were going on or their cottage or their dog or, or a girl that they liked or you know whatever yeah and um so just doing that all throughout high school and um uh it's interesting my high school experience even though i was very musically active in the high school doing a lot of music theater plays and always playing performances all the time I had a guidance counselor at that high school who told who told me that if I followed music and took it seriously, that I'd be living on the streets for the rest of my life. And uh, I, okay. yeah, I stupidly listened to that and thought, well, I don't want to be living on the streets. I, I want to support a family. I want to, uh, you know, do these things. So I, I went to school for lots of different things after high school. I went for radio broadcasting was one of them because people told me that I, they liked the sound of my voice. Uh, um, and we do. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you. Um, 
And uh, I, I went to school for graphic design, and then I went to school for animation because of my love for art and animation, and ended up doing that for seven years. Uh, wow. Computer animator, but I did not know that about you. Yeah, wow, yeah, yeah. Um, did visual effects and and uh, all the things that you would never realize are effects, basically well hidden in the uh, in live action shots. Basically, that's what yeah. I did. Well, that's um, quite fascinating. Yeah, yeah, but 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 really, like the whole time that I was doing that, I was listening to music nonstop on my headphones as I was doing the animation work, and being so inspired and just waiting for me to stop work that day and then go home and start working on music again. And um, So you kept it up even though you'd kind of taken a different career path. The music was still part of you, part of who you are. Very much, very much. I couldn't stop. It's just like uh, I would wake up every day and I'd think about music and I'd go throughout the entire day thinking about music and go to sleep at night thinking about music. Even though animation was paying the bills, I was very much always trying to create and create and create and write and write and write and and every evening and every weekend I'd be busy doing that um and thankfully the animation paid for my bills and and uh, rent and and everything else like that and uh, nothing was happening musically for for those seven years until I was introduced to the idea of co-writing uh I was I was going to ask you what was the pivot like what was that point so it was co-writing that that was was the point yeah my my dad uh called me up one day and said uh, I just read in the paper that SOCAN our our uh Canadian uh performing rights organization is having a night uh uh, all to do with songwriting and and Rob you're a songwriter maybe you want to go to this to this event and uh I went and um at the beginning, there's like 40 people in attendance and they said, put your hand up if you're a songwriter. And everybody put up their hand and I yeah. was like, this is awesome. This is so cool. I'm in with songwriters. And um, during the presentation, they were like, uh, uh, we want to talk to you about co-writing, about writing songs with other people. And that to me was another concept that just felt so foreign, felt mm. so weird. Like, why would I share my personal songwriting experience with somebody else? Anyways, mm. they, they forced us to, um, in the break, they didn't force us, but they suggested, they, they said, mix and mingle with people and, and exchange numbers, information, and set up some co-writing dates. And the minute that I started doing this, that I started co-writing with other people, I began to see so many things improving. I began to see my songs getting better. Um, I realized that I wasn't the best lyricist in the world, that I needed help in that department, that I really wasn't connecting that well with my lyrics. And partnering up with a great lyricist where I was more on the musical side really helped my songs get out there that much more. Um, having an artist in the room was incredible. Just having somebody in there that, that was putting up their hand and saying, yeah, I'd like to be an artist at some point, really helped get my songs out there and starting to move around outside of my parents' basement, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it, it's uh, the, these songs began to have a life out there. And then uh, words started to spread saying, hey, I just had this great session with this guy, Rob. You might want to check him out and work with him, you know, whatever. It's just like this is how it starts to to go, you know, out there is co-writing, getting to meet lots of people yeah. and networking. Networking really just changed everything and that it just really quickly started to take off from that point to the point where I got invited to a songwriting camp in 2001 and wrote a whole bunch of songs for a specific project of which none of my songs landed on that project. But I met, again, 40 brand new songwriters. Um, I really kept in touch with all, a lot of them, the ones that I really uh, clicked with, and um, mm. just kept writing with them and, and, and you know, just, just hoping that something was eventually going to happen. And, and in 2003, one of those songs that I wrote at that writing camp got released with another artist 
of which I didn't do anything for. Like I didn't find this artist or, or place okay. the song with the artist. It was one of my co-writers that ended up developing that artist. And it became a single in Canada, got released, and it went top 10 in Canada. And I quit my day job of animation the week after of me hearing it on the radio, thinking I was going to be an instant millionaire having a top 10 hit in Canada. And uh, of course that didn't happen, but I just, uh, I put all my eggs into one basket at that point. And that was the same year that Canadian Idol came around and uh, Canadian Idol based off the success of this one song, they asked me to be a part of the creative team for the winner of Canadian Idol that year. Um, Another writing camp for the winner, Ryan Malcolm. And uh, we wrote a whole bunch of songs for his album. I got two placed on his record. I was asked by BMG Music to produce one of them. Um, So now I'm producing my first song for a major label in Canada. Second year of Canadian Idol, I ended up doing half the record for Kalen Porter. I ended up producing and writing half that record. Um, And then that started opening me up to the rest of Canada as like a Uh, music producer and a songwriter. And I'm now getting involved in a lot of different projects. My third year, um, just before Canadian Idol happened in the third year, I went down to L.A. and wrote a whole bunch of songs with some different people down there. Um, And uh, one of them ended up being a song called Alive with uh, Jess Cates and Lindy Robbins. And uh, wrote that song with them in L.A., came back to Canada, and Jennifer Highland at BMG said, uh, we're looking for a song about a a, a kid that comes from a small town that is looking to make it in the world and make a change. And, And this is basically what the song Alive was. And uh, so I sent it in to Jennifer and she said, this song's great. We're going to make this the winner single of Canadian Idol. Oh. So that became like the moment that the winner gets selected. They walk out on stage and they sing that song. Uh, Jess Cates and Lindy Robbins were really in tight with Jive Zamba Records in New York. And they also sent that song into them. And I got a phone call from Teresa LaBarbera Whites, who um, discovered Beyonce and Jessica Simpson, Destiny's Child, all of that. Wow. And she said, we love this song. We love what you're doing. Tell me more about you, um, because we'd like you to come down and work with the lead singer of 98 Degrees, who's going through a terrible breakup with Jessica Simpson right now. And uh, I went down, flew to New York for the first time in my life, and started working with Nick Lachey. Uh, met him, recorded with him. We had a blast. I ended up getting three songs on his record. Two of them became singles and then uh, started to work with Backstreet Boys after that. They were also on Jive and Zamba. And uh, that just opened me up to the world at that point. Now yeah. that I'm working with them and started coming over to England, working with Mika and Paloma Faith um, and then came back to Canada and was introduced to a 12-year-old kid named Justin Bieber. Uh, started working with him before he blew up. That opened me up in ways that you can't possibly imagine. Oh, absolutely, right. And it's just been a wild roller coaster ever since then. It's just literally wow. just uh, I wish I could clone myself and have <laughs> multiple versions of myself to work on everything cuz it seems like my dying breath is going to be, you know, but wait, I still have that vocal to finish or you know whatever. It's just there's so many things on the go. Not right if I was in the day, right? Yeah, 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 I know, but I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Superb. It's so interesting for you to hear to hear that co-writing is kind of one of your pivotal moments when you discovered that sharing these songwriting, like you said, you you bear your soul into a song is full of emotion, full of personal experience, etc. But actually, getting involved in co-writes, I think, has been a massive turning point in my songwriting career and I'm sure other people feel the same yeah Yeah. oh for sure because I mean you can write about deep personal stuff Mm. uh, when you're just writing it by yourself but you have no clue whether somebody out there in the world also understands what you're going through 
And when you co-write with one other person or maybe two other people, and three of you are now in the room and you're co-writing, or maybe you're over Zoom co-writing, and all three of you are feeling what you're writing about, then you know that you're onto something extremely magical that the whole world is really going to understand. Because you're, you're coming from, from different angles, different backgrounds, different storylines, all of that, but you all have a shared experience in yeah. the human condition that you're writing about. And, and, yeah, and it's just, a, it's a great way of having a sounding board on the other side that you say, you know, like, I'm thinking about writing something about the sky is blue and the person on the other side can either be like, yeah, that's cool. But, you know, maybe it could be the sky is blue with a bit of clouds, you know, whatever. Or they can be like, yeah, the sky is blue. That's great. Let, let's, let's write about that. You know, <laughs> it's just, it's, yeah, it's so much stronger to do it that way. Yeah. I find. I, I've, I don't know about you as well. And I think Tara, you and I have had this same conversation when we've written together is that. Your co-writers bring something that you wouldn't think of. And yeah. it just takes something that's, you, you might already be at a certain level with your writing, but working with other people really kind of escalates that up. It's, it's kind of like a level up for me with regards to writing. Yeah. And, and I think also for me, you know, what Rob was saying, it helps you to distill down the universality of what you're doing because you're finding almost like that bit in the middle of the Venn diagram, you know, like where there's that yes, overlap, yeah. you know, um, we usually do a lot of food analogies, but we haven't got onto that yet today. We're coming. That's my favorite. I was just going to say, so, I mean, out of all the, cause I mean, the, your, your career, when it started opening up like that for you, I mean, and you found yourself was there ever a time when you were working with somebody where you walked into a room and had a, a feeling of, I don't know, nerves or, or like a, a confidence kind of thing? Because I'm, 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 I'm thinking I've never been in a situation where I've worked with somebody who is a, a household name. And I appreciate that some of the cases, they became household names after you'd worked with them. But have you, I mean, have you ever felt starstruck in a, in a writing situation or does that not factor into your, your mindset when you're writing, especially with well, artists. I, I, I got a little bit lucky, I think earlier on because my, uh, my older brother, um, I only have one brother, sorry, he's should stop <laughs> your brother. my older brother. Yeah, my brother. <laughs> um, when, when I was in high school, uh, he got into a band in Canada called the Kim Mitchell band. And, and love so Kim Mitchell. I love Kim Mitchell too. Yeah. So he played with Kim for about three years and I got to meet Kim when I was in high school and I got to meet Gowan, I got to meet all sorts of people because Greg Gowan, was Gowan, I haven't always... thought about Gowan in so long, living over here. Yeah, <laughs> I used to oh, Larry Gowan. Gowan. Oh yeah, me too, me too. We're good friends now. It's, 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 it, but so I sort of got into that world early where I began to hang wow. out with people. And then the drummer from Loverboy was with the Kim Mitchell band for a while. And I was like, you co-wrote, you know, working for the weekend and all this stuff. And just, it was cool to hang out with those people. So I got a real sort of like early introduction and then, not only that, but I got to see them say, well, you know what? I got to go to the bathroom right now. <laughs> I got to see them be real people. Yes. And, and, and just realizing that, you know, these are just regular people that are in extraordinary situations. And, and so that sort of really quickly uh, eliminated the whole feeling of just like, wow, I'm working with this person, that person. I suppose when I started working with Nick Lachey, from 98 degrees because I'd seen his face so much on tabloids and, and everything. And then to see him walk into the room for the first time in three dimensions right in front of me, that, that was, that was a little bit of a mind trip. But then we started talking about sports 
and stuff that wasn't about music and 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 he would come in every day kind of upset about what the tabloids had said and we'd talk about that and i'd be like yeah. just a regular dude who went to an art school in cincinnati and has extraordinary things going on you worked really hard to be here and you know that's that's really it it's just i it's I, it in I, perspective a little bit it really does. Like we're all yeah. heading to the same place, right? In a hundred years, none of us will be here. It's just, no one's more special than the other. Um, but I do get nervous excitement before every session. It doesn't matter who it is because I don't know what's going to happen that day. I don't, yeah. I, it's always blank slate. It's uh, it's, it's nervous excitement really. Um, it's more nervous excitement to the fact that I'm hoping that I can bring my A game because I never want to pre-prepare anything. I never want to handcuff anyone to my idea. I want to really read the room at the beginning and see what's going well, that's on good, with everybody. Yeah. Um, rather than come in with an already finished idea or half-finished idea where somebody's like, yeah, it's okay. It's, it's you know, why, let's work on that. I'd rather work on something that's everyone's excited about and we've had a great discussion and then, and then figured out where we want to go. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, I guess you can be, you know, like prepared in the sense of, you know, you've got something that to draw on, but no, I think hundred percent, if you, if you go in and you've already got something, you know, three quarters of the way down, down the road and all you're asking them to do is kick it in the driveway. It's, it's you're not really giving people a chance it's to get really involved in that process. Then, is it? Is yeah. It? Yeah. No, 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 yeah. No. yeah. yeah and the magic happens, of... magic happens when you're kind of bouncing off each other. Oh yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I absolutely. like that. And, and also like you, I've, I've written with the same people many, many times and each time has been totally different because you don't know who they are that day. Mm. You don't know what, what happened yeah. the night before. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know whether it's like a good day or a bad day or a lonely day or a hopeful day or whatever it is. And, and just, uh, you got to have that discussion at the beginning. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's always a good thing to have a few titles going around in your head. But it's yes. never a good thing to say, hey, nice to meet you. Here's my titles. Yeah. It's more like, hey, nice to meet you. Let's have a talk. And then yeah. think after you've Let's had this talk, yeah. do any of those titles match where we've, where we've been talking about, you know, all of that. Yeah, no, I think what, that's a um, pretty good point. What would you say you prefer, writing with people that you know like that or writing with brand new people you've never written with before? Oh, I like it all. I like it. I'm a real people person. I love meeting new people. I love uh, hanging out with with anybody. It's, it's always fun to work with people that you've worked with before that you have a great time with. You know, I, I have a very small group of people that I do have like that though. Um, I call them my tribe, you know, my, my team, basically. Um, I've worked with thousands of people in my years and, and I probably have about 30 that I really, really love and, and they have to fit a certain criteria. It's basically, do we get along? Can I hang out with you for yeah. eight hours? Can we have a laugh? Can we have a really good time to the point where like my stomach feels like it needs surgery afterwards? <laughs> you know, like it, it has to be on that level. So, so there's that. And then the second part is, can we work well together? Yeah. So can we like agree on, on things? Can we feel that we can say the craziest thing and not get laughed out of the room? Um, that is that. so important. Otherwise right. you censor yourself. Right. Totally. And then usually when you put that censoring on, you don't get to dig deep enough to find the gold. Yeah. You don't I find the good stuff. So and important. then, and then at the end of the day, do you have a good product? You know, do you have a great song? So it's those three things. And, and to find those three things is like finding a, a needle in a mile high haystack. It's, it's pretty crazy. And that's why out of thousands of people that I've worked with, I have about 30. That, that I love. And they're all in different genres too. So oh, that's good. Yeah. who I'm going to work with, uh, which artist is coming in that I'll always bring in somebody that sort of matches that criteria of, of, you know, matching the the style of music that we're doing 
and uh, and that I know there's going to be zero drama, there's going to be lots of laughs, and we're going to get a great song at the end of the day. Oh, that's always good. Um, something you mentioned when uh, you were chatting earlier about your kind of uh, your journey was, uh, yeah, we wrote three songs and a couple of them ended up being singles, for example. Do you go about writing singles versus album tracks differently? Is there a different mindset for you in that? No. Or are they just yeah, songs? I, they're just songs. I never think about singles or or album tracks or anything. I think about, I think about does this song matter to me first and foremost? Do I get something out of this? Do I feel something emotionally out of this? Do I fully understand this song in a way that maybe it's my own interpretation or, or it's the literal, you know, real uh, story that, that, that I'm getting from this. And then do I feel something from this? Um, I won't let it go until those things, those two boxes are checked off, that, that I understand it and then I feel something about it. And then I also want my co-writers to feel that way too. I want them to feel like they understand it, that they get it, that it's part of their story, that, that it's, they, they stand behind this and that they feel something about this. I want us all to be up dancing or crying or, you know, hugging each other or whatever by the end of the day. Um, that's real. That's really it. That's, that's to me, that's like the sign of, su of success. And then you throw the song out there into the world and see what happens. And, and I've got lots of songs where nothing has happened and I've got other songs where something has happened. And, uh, it's, some of them have become hits. Some of them become album tracks. Uh, some of them have not seen the light of day for 15 years and then they become a single. Um, for example, I just had a song with Weezer last year. Um, that I wrote in 2015 and uh, came out in 2022. Um, so you just like, you never know what's going to happen. You never know who's going to pick it up and, and carry it, carry it forward. It's always worth kind of keeping those songs and kind of banking them. Definitely. Oh, yeah. yeah. But oh, yeah. like you yeah. say, what it boils down to is you have to write the best song you can. And then, uh, you know, from that point, this, the song finds That's its way, it. I, I guess. I, yeah, I always tell people, don't chase the charts, chase your heart chase your heart and write oh i heart. like that don't chase the chart chase your heart right write, write that down <laughs> yeah there you go I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for a slogan and a piece of inspiration that's it text. the podcast yeah. is over good night everyone yeah. <laughs> so speaking of podcasts because obviously we have you on our podcast but you have a podcast that you launched not all that long ago um yes. all about women in the music industry and yes. i mean i've been i haven't listened i'm not bang up to date but i have been listening in the car when i do my commute on wednesdays and i'm really enjoying it um, oh, thank you yeah i, I love the it's just very conversational but really interesting and uh yeah thoroughly enjoying it i look forward to, to digging in on my playlist with some more um thank but you. i think celine and i were talking about it and celine was was wondering well what 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 motivated you to to start the podcast like what was the yeah what was um, the you know because she said what do you do podcasts about women i said i think it's great that he's doing a podcast absolutely. about women in the industry oh no absolutely but i would yeah. i imagined the person that would have a podcast about women in music would be a woman and i don't even know why that's even a thing but in my head i was just wondering yeah what what motivated you to kind of uh be yeah. a champion for women in the music industry. Well, I love all people. I love women. I love men. I love, uh, you know, I, I want to have everybody uh, in doing whatever it is that they want to do in this in this planet, you know. Um, I want them to feel free that they can jump into any career choice at all. Um, so I, my last year of high school, I came up to Toronto and uh, went to a school of performing arts. 
here called Etobicoke School of the Arts. And uh, in there, it was 90% female and 10% male, which was awesome wow. if you were a male in high school. It was just those, those numbers are <laughs> incredible. It's just it's great. Um, but then uh, getting out into the industry, uh, it's not that way at all. It's, it's yeah. not those, it's not even 50, 50. It's if anything, it's, it's way less than even 90, 10. Um, and then a report came out saying that out of all the songwriters in the world, all the professional songwriters in the world, 12% are female. And of yeah. all the music producers in the world, the professional music producers, 2% are female. Oh my goodness me. Two. Wow. I, I knew that the the statistics were, were low. I, I didn't appreciate exactly how low. Wow. Oh, it's, it's low. It's yeah. really low. And, and hopefully it's changed since that report came out. But um, I also teach at a place called the Harris Institute of the Arts in uh, Toronto. I teach at the Songwriting Academy as well in, in England. It's more of an online school. But at Harris, I can tell you that the majority of my classes are male. And occasionally... Wow. Like I've got a class right now where there are three females in there out of a class of 15. And that is like, wow, I can't believe it. That's great. But I so want it to be 50-50. You know, I, I, I really do. And, and, and I don't know what happens along the way. It's, it's um, it just, you know, I, I, so basically what I'm trying to do is, well, there's, there's many reasons. First, I get, to, I get to meet all sorts of amazing people in the music industry that are female or those that identify as female. I get to hear about them. I get to learn more about them, um, hear about their story, um, raise awareness for certain issues that, that, you know, that, that they're trying to uh, address or, or uh, things that they've gone through. Um, I'm also trying to provide inspiration for the next generation of females or Perfect. those that identify yeah. as female to uh, get into the industry and, and realize that it isn't just... Britney Spears standing up on stage, you know, and realize that underneath Britney Spears, there's about a thousand people that are working for Britney in many different career paths in the music industry that you don't just have to be a singer. You mm -hmm. can be all sorts of things, like literally hundreds of different jobs that are out there. That, and so I'm trying to shine a spotlight on all these different paths yeah, that are there. So, tremendous. so far we've had, we've had yeah. so many different uh, people in, in all different walks of life and I'm, I'm having a blast. We've I, I've released uh, 15 uh, episodes so far since late June, mm -hmm. and we're doing one a week, and uh, I have no plans on stopping. It's going to be yet another thing that's added to my list of things that I could say when I'm passing away from this rock and floating in space. No, it's it's tremendous, and I mean, and it makes perfect sense, but I think it's so it's somehow even more powerful that a man is looking at the industry and seeing that incongruity and, and, and doing something to, to address it in such a wonderful way. So thank yeah. you. Something that, something that we, you and I have talked about before Tara, isn't it with regards to uh, the kind of general mindset. And uh, I think imposter syndrome in, in females is a, is a much bigger thing. That's my take on it. And I think that's what holds a lot of women back when it comes to if you're not seeing the role world. models right yeah, if, you, if you're exactly. not perceiving yeah. that then I, I think it yeah. does maybe feed into that i can't do this you know um so it's so important to to be role models and i i mean even in my my role teaching in in primary schools i'm forever trying to show you know kids different careers that they can have and showcasing that because again i don't think it's it's highlighted particularly well um no. 
So, and because, because I think the majority of the world just sees the music industry as the performer standing on stage. It's the outward and facing side that they see, right? That's it. And that's like saying, well, you shouldn't get into the basketball industry because you're not LeBron James, you know, <laughs> but yet there's, there's hundreds of thousands of people that work for the basketball industry that aren't LeBron James, that are having very lucrative careers that, that are, you know, doing all sorts of things behind Absolutely. the scenes. Absolutely. And it's the same thing in music. When I go to do career days at, at high schools and I see the looks on parents' faces where they're like, no child of mine will get into the music business because they'll be living on the streets, like my guidance counselor said. But it's really coming from a place of love and, and misunderstanding. Yes. Um, just, just not realizing. Misconception. Yeah. Yeah. All these different career paths that are there. You take your love of accounting and music, if there is such a thing, and you become an entertainment accountant. Suddenly you're part of, like my accountant is Drake's accountant. You know, it's just like, the, but he's very much involved in, in, in the, the music industry. He's, he's yeah. called the rock and roll accountant and, and it's just, he loves he's found the music his niche. Industry. Right. Totally. Exactly. Um, my lawyer it loves the music industry. He used to release records and now he's one of Canada's top entertainment lawyers, still very much involved on in all the music boards and, and very much, you know, deciding the, 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 the fate of Canadian music industry and everything. And it's, I love that. Like just taking, yeah. I love, I love creating content. I love being creative. I like building Lego. I like building, you know, songs, putting uh, little stories out there to help people. It's just uh, that. You like building apps as well. I do. Yeah. I do. I like Get, helping getting people on basically. To- yeah, yes. absolutely. Because this this was something you know quite recent. When did the app get released, Rob? How long has it, it been out now? It was almost a year ago. Almost okay. a year ago that the that the app came out, and we do have a, a a new release which is coming out very very soon. Oh, super excited for that! If you can give us a little bit of a well, for, for me, on. yeah, go for on. me, this sure. app is uh, as a non piano player. I mean, I'm I'm sat here surrounded by my guitars. You can guess I'm a guitarist. Yeah. I, I know how to play three fingered chords on a on a keyboard, but actually making it sound like a, a piano player is something that I can't do. And this app really is. So this is Songwriter's Piano, which is available. Perfect, yes. Yeah. And it, yes. I, I think it's a it's something highlights. that songwriters will, will be able to use to really kind of bring to life um, their, their songs, even if they don't play an instrument. Just having that general understanding of how the basis of music, as you would as a songwriter, you can create yourself a nice little demo yeah. track and, and really improve your songwriting, I think. You, you know, that that that's sort of the byproduct of, of, of the reason why I created it. Originally, I was, I was, where was I? I think I was flying on a plane somewhere and I, I had this idea. And of course, you can't carry your piano onto a plane with you or, or anything like that. So I was just thinking, man, if I just had something that I could play that would inspire me, that felt like the way that I play, um, you know, I would be able to write while I'm on this plane ride and, and come up with a chord pattern sequence. Um, I was trying to use things like GarageBand, um, the, the piano portion that's on there. Yeah, yes, the, you can uh, get away with it, but it, yeah. that's right. But it feels very robotic and, and doesn't really give you any sort of, uh, yeah, inspiration, agreed. you know, yeah. uh, any sort of mood basically in there. Um, I, so I had that. Yeah, and then I also had common. people when I was, when I was teaching them, um, where I'd be playing an example on piano, I'd say, maybe if your song was a little bit more like this and I'd be playing the chords and, and, and a lot of them would say, man, Rob, the songs that I could write, if I could play piano like you. And I just thought, well, yeah, you can, if you spend 15 minutes a day for a year, you can probably get somewhere close to what I'm doing. And then I just thought, well, why don't I take these two things and, and these two ideas and put it together in 
a really simple to use app that my four-year-old daughter could use or my 79-year-old mother could use. Something that isn't that doesn't have like a million bells and whistles, but it's really just you open it up and there it is. There's just a simple keyboard on there um, where you can choose whatever key you want to be in, yeah. and you can choose whatever chord style you want in there. Like whether you want like a simple chord style or a moderate chord style or a more complex style of playing. Um, that's really it. And and and, and I just wanted to. I didn't want to put down every single chord known to, to humankind in this app i just wanted to put down basically the main songwriting chords that we would use in a, in a in an average major minor keys session. yeah i imagine yeah, yeah yeah basically yeah. so it's it's um here i'll just yeah uh, i mean the thing is i mean i i love the simplicity of it but i also just love the lushness of the sound it's oh. i mean it sounds so good i mean let's have a little listen rob go sure. on sure i mean i'll i'll play it on the uh on the most simple form so basically each key right now um if you open it up the app it, it tells you exactly what the chord is that you're going to be playing yes. so right now i'm in the i'm in the key signature of, of c major or the relative minor which is a minor so yeah. uh, that's a bit too much information i'm sure but but <laughs> just when when i look at the keys it doesn't look like an average piano keyboard it's basically just the the, the white keys that are there yeah. um, and on there is c then d minor e minor f major g major a minor and I added in a B flat just in case you wanted that. Then yeah, like a, nice. a G over B, which is like a five over seven sort of thing. Yeah. And then right back to C. And each one of these notes has four samples, four stereo high-end samples, so that you can keep pressing the same button over and over again and you and it cycles between the four samples wow. of each chord. So if I just play C. Uh, it just gives it so much realism. Do you hear that where it's got more emphasis on the first yeah. one? Yeah. And it's sort of it's like, subtle. And it's subtle, but it's just, it makes it, it like you said, it's much it's less, less robotic. It's less yes. rigid and less robotic. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. So you could be like. Um, and I love the voice leading that's built in as well. That's there. Yeah. It's very natural. It's very what I would do if I was sitting in a piano. Right. It's exactly yeah. what I would do if I was Intuitive. sitting at a piano too. It's, so it's, yeah. it eliminates that whole thing, Rob, if I could play piano like you, uh, the yeah. songs I would write. So now there's no excuse. You can play piano like in this, the exact same way that I would play um, to the point that if I go into variation three, which is more yeah. the complex chords, it yeah, really starts changing. Sense. So here, let me just change a key. Let's go into E flat major, for example. Yeah. Just, you know, if you can because figure out where you... Yeah, and you, you can. can just just transpose it, and and it's the the same layout appears. Yeah, um, I was going to say changes. the thing I love about it is the fact that you've got the Nashville system underneath it. So even from a from a teaching standpoint, because I know that is something some people in the community struggle with is if they want to move it into another key, they're like, oh God, what do I, you know? So you could even do it that way, change the key. And then if someone's referring to the Nashville system, you know what chords to play. Even yep. if you were playing them on a different instrument, you could use that piano as a way of just mapping out what you're doing which i think exactly is you can just stunning. tell someone yeah. you know like like my wife uses it all the time and she she will sometimes say just go from the one to the four to the six minor to the to the five yeah you know and it's just like okay i got it because it teaches it's it's got those numbers right underneath the chord names as well yeah so just depending on nice how touch. you how you like to to do it sort of helps having a, a bit of a songwriter's background in there just knowing that you can have the number system the national number system or just call out the chords however however you want but as as a non-player it's just really easy to write down the names of the chords that you play that that you really yeah. like and then you can hand that off to somebody else and say here's yeah. my chord chart for this song 
um, that, I, that I hear and just, uh, you know, it's like it's, Google it's, translate, but for chords. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it's just so nice hearing that, that this little idea has helped out a lot of people and there's people that have written songs with this. And, uh, I love that it's, it just opens it's up so another. Mobile. Yeah. It's so you, you literally, take, like, like you said, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, the amount of times like Tara said, sat in the car waiting for somebody on an airplane, you and you know, you're no longer going to be limited if you've got a, a, a touch instrument in your pocket on your phone, That's then, right. um, y- your, your limitations then become, you know, boundless, I think, you know, yep. you've, that's you've, right. And That's I think right. the other nice thing about it is, is I actually really like the fact that you've limited it to grand piano, like just, just piano. Cause then you're not going to go down that rabbit hole of like, oh, well maybe if I just play with some more sounds and like you kind of go off of the songwriting, you know, and onto the, oh, that sounds really cool. I love the fact that there isn't that distraction built into it. It just really like, no, this is, we're using the piano. That's what we're doing. You, you forgot to say the word yet. Yet. <laughs> oh, okay. Are we on to the update now? <laughs> yeah, we've got plans. We've got plans. Uh, just okay. just because there's not going to be too many extra sounds that are okay. going to be in there. But, but basically, we are just looking a for a grand piano and an upright piano okay. to be in oh, there. Nice. And, then okay. the, and then the upright would give you more of a more of a textured sort of, you know, this piano has been used quite a bit, but it, yeah. but it just feels great for certain sounds, certain vibes. Um, so we've got an upright piano thing, and then I think we're all we're also working on a separate synth version okay. as well. So if you're more into electronic music or or things like that, where you'd like to get, you know, just some people get inspired by hearing different sounds. That so, is true. Yeah, yeah, that is true. And so would that be part of the same app or a, a separate? App? We're not sure yet. We're I know that the upright is probably going to be part of the same app, um, right? But the uh, but the synth is probably going to be a separate app. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Okay. We'll, we'll see what happens. One of the things that I think is brilliant is that there's songwriters out there who want to get into songwriting who can't play an instrument. And certainly if someone's coming at this a bit later on in life, um, haven't got the time, inclination, skill set to learn an instrument well enough to be able to add it to their songwriting. This is kind of the ideal thing to become your little kind of pocket accompanist. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is that even a word? Accompanist? Yeah, I think it I just is. made a word up. I like it. Yeah, no, no, I think you're fine. I think you're yeah. fine. You're good. You're good. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's it's just we're living in a great age right now where you can have somebody like Skrillex that can make entire songs that the world is freaking out over that just sits back and does everything on a trackpad on a laptop, you know, and, and no instruments were used. It's basically all bringing in samples and just how do you bring these things together? And really, just that's it with songs. That's it with songwriting. Is that it? It doesn't really matter how you got there. It doesn't really matter how the song got finished. All that matters at the end of the day is, did it move you? Did you understand it? Did you, and, and nobody sits back and says, well, wait a second. Did anybody play any real instruments on this or did they not? You know, it's just like, they're either just thinking, wow, that blew me away. I need to hear that again. Yeah. And the songwriting process doesn't need to finish with something that could be radio ready as well you know i'm 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 happy writing a song with uh, a crappy voice memo that i've played guitar into my phone and that this the song's still written the song still is now alive it's 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 in the world and you can kind of take that perfectionist away and and work with an app like yours or with just simple um tools on, on your phone now that kind of make it that songwriting can be done anywhere 
Oh yeah, totally, totally. I, I love that that anyone can have the tools in their in their pocket. Whereas I grew up in an era where you needed a million dollars minimum to make a record. You know, and just I love the fact that now anybody can do it. Anybody can really. It's just like in all parts of the planet, as long as you have electricity and you have uh, the means to download things with a phone. Um, yeah. there's all sorts of, you know, I know there's a lot of people still on this planet that don't have access to, to things like that, but those that do, it's opened it up that, that, you know, music can, can come from all over the place. And, and, uh, yeah, I love that. Could you imagine if we had this kind of tool when we were kids, when we were kind of starting? I mean, I, I, was I, mean, like, I thought I was rocking it with my Yamaha SY77. I mean, goodness me. <laughs> but you were was- compared to, to, compared to my mother's generation, you know, like I, I had a Commodore 64 that had a music sequencing software piece wow. on there and there was a drum machine on there and that was incredible. That mixed with a tape deck. Are you kidding me? I, the world was unstoppable for me. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah. I had a tape, tape four, four track and, uh, my guitar when I was a teenager and that's when I first started writing songs, but having these kind of tools that we've got these days, no wonder there's so many kids getting involved in music and songwriting and producing. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We just need to do everything we can to encourage them. Definitely. Let, let's hear some of the variations, Rob, because I think you were getting ready to play them before and then we went off on a tangent. Oh. So oh, yeah. Sure, so, sure, so, sure. so we heard the variation one, which is the just, you know, more sort of just regular triad chords. Yeah. Oh, sure. So we're in E flat right now. I'll just play you just, uh, just a basic example of, of yeah. how the variations change here. So I've got that. Um, I then have an, a button which is called play all where you get access yeah, to version one, version two, and version three. Nice. And that's that's okay. kind of fun. So you can make like certain moments of your song where it's more simple, you know, more and more the, the simple way yeah. of playing. And then occasionally you can break into more of a moderate or a complex chord in there. Um, so let's change the key. Uh, what, what key should we do, Celine? I'll let you choose the key. Uh, D minor. D or D minor. Okay. So D minor, just scrolling through. Here it comes. So we are in uh, F major or D minor. Here we go. Uh, I'll start with D minor then. So that's just the simple chords. Here's moderate. complex. It sounds so lush, doesn't it? Mm. And it just, just so that obviously we can see you on our, our Zoom yeah. screen here, but this is an audio podcast, but you're just tapping the one thing to get all those different variations. Yeah. You're not I having just, to use literally one multiple button. fingers. It's just, no. I can just see you doing it. You're just tapping the one thing and those variations are coming. It's beautiful. Such yeah. a simple tool. Yeah, really simple. And I, I, we had a bit of flack for some, from some people around the world. Uh, we're like, how come there's no, you know, record feature? How come there's not, it doesn't export the MIDI? How come, you know, all this. And, and really what it comes down to is just pure simplicity. I, I just, yeah. as I said, I really wanted anyone from my daughter to my mother to, and everyone else in between and beyond to be able to play this. And, and just, I remember when my daughter was, uh, three, 
she was playing the chords for Baby Shark. She figured it out and she was singing the, the melody <laughs> to it. It was just cool, like Super. the fact that she could like sit down and and, and yes. figure out on her own. Um, just by listening to the TV, you know, Baby Shark, and then figuring out what the chords were just on this app. So, yeah, really cool stuff. And there and, it and starts I, again, that generational, yes. That's it, just, that's it. Just feeding that's right. music in, yeah. Creativity. Absolutely. How can I help other people? That's that's really, uh, you know, I really do, I, I do want to do that. My, my dad, as I said, was a United Church minister, and I would see him stand up in front of people and, and give sermons. Um, to, to 600 people every, every Sunday. And I would see that their torch was lit, you know, by the time that they ended the service and they'd walk out into the world and they'd, they'd want to be a better person. Uh, and hopefully they would be a better person. But then by the next Sunday, the world sort of beat them down and they needed to come back and have their torch lit again. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm, I'm not a deeply religious person, but I, but I just, I feel like if I have an opportunity to write songs and they're getting out there into the world, I want these songs to have, a life like that. I want them to get out there and help somebody yes. and, and make somebody realize that they're not alone in their situation or, or that, uh, there's, there's a better way or, you know, I don't want to be preachy to people, but I just want yeah. them to know that they're not alone. And, and, and here's a way that we can make life better. I want people to feel better listening to, to the songs. So wow. little three minute sermons that are getting. I mean, Rob, not only is your music reaching people, but I mean, through your podcast, through this app, I mean, you are definitely supporting musicians, supporting songwriters and, I'm telling you, it's your church. You you are lighting people up. So most definitely, definitely. Thank you. Thank you. you. Appreciate that. Um, Thanks for joining us, Rob. It has been so good chatting with you. And uh, uh, I hear that we may be kind of expecting you to kind of come and be a little bit more active within our community, hopefully yes, in the future, yeah, in the new I, year. I, I didn't yes, know sir. if the cat was let out of the bag. But, but, well, it uh, is now. It is <laughs> now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, thank you for More having me More information for that, about that in the community coming soon. You heard it here first, folks. You yes, did, uh, absolutely. Yeah, but, but thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I really appreciate it. And for mentioning oh, the app and, and my own podcast. And it's oh, very kind of you to do it's, that. It's been our pleasure, literally our pleasure. And I'm sure we could talk for a few hours more on we could. this kind of stuff. But, and we often uh, do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we can always have Rob on the podcast again sometime. Exactly. Definitely. exactly we could, we could right. definitely do that. Um, we'll be sure to put uh, links for information about Songwriters Piano in the show notes. And we'll also put a link to uh, your link tree so people can connect with you and a link for your podcast so that people can go Absolutely. and listen. Thank you so much. I much yeah. appreciate Sharing it. is caring. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us, everybody. And we will see you in the next one.